0: Name.
1: thank you all so much for being a blessing and singing for us tonight. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. It looks like about half of our church is here. And I don't, I'm going to tell their preacher when I see him, man. I don't know what they're doing here. I looked at some of while ago. I said, y'all got permission to be here? And uh, so they said, don't tell the preacher. I said, okay, I won't, at least till I see him again. But anyway, I'm glad uh, all of you are here. It's good to see you. And I love Brother Brian, love this church, and always look forward to the opportunity to come in here and to preaching. I, uh, Brother Brian, I memorized a poem years ago. And Brother Brian asked me if I would to quote that poem for you tonight. So I'm going to try to, from memory, quote this poem uh, that the Lord put upon my heart. And it goes something like this. God is good and God is fair. To some He gave brains, to others He gave hair. <laughs> Brother Brian, you that... He promised me a bigger love offering if I'd quote that poem tonight. So, no, I'm kidding. He didn't do that. I love Brother Brian, don't you? And I uh, uh, sure thank God for him. And, and let me say this. The hand of God is evident upon this place, and it's on this dear man of God. And uh, you are a blessed people indeed. And I sure appreciate the Lord allowing our past across years ago. And, uh, and uh, he is my friend. I appreciate our fellowship and friendship down through the years. I heard about, I heard about this old cat that died and went to heaven. And uh, when it got to heaven, it uh, it met the Lord. And the Lord said, uh, well, welcome to heaven. He said, uh, what can I do to make your stay here a little bit more pleasant? And the old cat said, well, Lord, you know, back down there on earth, I had to sleep around the barn on the dirt all the years of my life. And uh, he said it was kind of rough. The ground was cold. Sometimes it was wet. But he said, uh, I'd like to have a nice soft pillow to sleep upon up here in heaven. And the Lord said, well, that's no problem. He spoke the word, and voila, there was a pillow. An old cat climbed up on the pillow and went to sleep, and I mean just enjoying life on the pillow. It wasn't long after that that a bunch of little mice arrived in heaven, and, and the Lord met them when they got there and said, welcome to heaven. He said, what could I do for you all to make life a little, a little more uh, uh, better for you here? And they said, well, Lord, be honest with you. You know down there on earth, said, ain't said, ain't many of us left, and said, um, you know, things not so good for us down there on earth. Said, uh, while we're here in heaven, could you make it where we could just kind of get around quickly around heaven? The Lord said, well, I sure can. And he said, uh, said a few words, and voila, every one of those little mice had little roller skates on their feet. Man, they just skated off into heaven, had a big time, and... And a few days later, the Lord ran back into that cat again. He said, Well, how's it going? Are you enjoying heaven? He said, Lord, it's wonderful. That pillow that you gave me is unbelievable. But I got to tell you something you outdid yourself when you gave us them meals on wheels. <laughs> now that's funny. You know that's funny. Anyway, oh no, whatever. When better jokes are written, better jokes will be told, I guess. Let's read tonight one sentence. It's uh, about 20 minutes to 8 o'clock. I don't want to preach a long time tonight. Be honest with you, Green Acres comes on MeTV at 930. I'd like to be home to see that tonight. And it takes me an hour to get there. So uh, uh, if you'd listen fast, I'll try to preach fast. And I hope the Lord will speak to us tonight. Thank you for coming. What a great crowd on a Wednesday night. I want to read one sentence and then I'll ask you to leave your Bibles open and follow me along. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 21. I want to read the first sentence and it goes something like this. Do thy diligence to come before winter. And I want to preach on that phrase just for a moment. Come before winter. Let's pray. Father, our hearts have truly been blessed by the singing tonight. The Young people, what a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the sweet atmosphere and the good spirit of God that's in this place. Thank you for people who love you. Thank you for a preacher who honors you and wants to give you the preeminence, the glory, the honor that you rightfully deserve. I would pray tonight that you would help us. No doubt, Lord, in a crowd of this size, there's probably one or two or maybe more sitting here, and uh, they're not sure that they can go in. Or maybe there's somebody sitting here tonight that would just be honest and say, there ain't no way I'm going in, not after the life that I've lived. Lord, I would pray tonight you'd speak to them and help them. And I pray this will be the good night that they'll they'll get the assurance that they can go in. And then help us as your people from this text tonight. God, would you just for a few moments speak to our hearts and help us tonight, please. Encourage us. Speak to us, challenge us, convict us. Greatest of all, Lord, would you change us in our lives? Whatever needs to be changed, would you change us tonight? And help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. What I've read to you tonight amounts to be what would be the last words of the great apostle Paul. Paul, as he writes these words, has now come to the end of his life. And at the end of his life, as he sits in prison waiting to be executed, he sits down and he writes a very personal, a very intimate letter to a young protege of his by the name of Timothy. What a relationship, special relationship that Paul and Timothy had. On a former occasion years prior to this, Paul has led young Timothy to the Lord during his first missionary journey. And then when he ventured back into that same area, Lystra, Derby, and Iconium, the church was abuzz about this young disciple by the name of Timothy. And Paul took young Timothy under his wing and began to uh, mold and, and fashion him and help him to become the man of God that he eventually became. Young Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus and later on became an evangelist in in the area around the city of Ephesus. And according to church history, he was actually beaten to death by an angry mob with rods uh, as he ventured one day outside of the city of Ephesus. Paul is writing to him in our text. And what we have before us tonight is an earthly letter written by earthly hands but as you and I believe, we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. So really, in reality, what we got here is a heavenly letter that's written by the hands of God because we believe the Bible is inspired by God. The words of Paul to young Timothy and the sweet by and by of yesterday are the words that God has for you and me and the nasty now and now of these days. Paul is sitting in prison and as an old man facing death, he is not airing out his grievances over how things have worked out in his life. As you read the words of the last chapter of this book, he's not angry, he's not bitter, he's not a frustrated old man who's just bitter about life. No, sir, he is, uh, he's actually looking forward to death with joy and anticipation. Somebody once said this, the devil has no happy old people. <laughs> Only the people of God can rejoice in the in the years of their old age as they inch closer and closer to death. What we're doing as we read this second letter in reality would be illegal in our day because it's illegal to read somebody else's mail. And yet as we read the words of the Apostle Paul to young Timothy, what we're doing is we're reading Paul's mail to this young man by the name of Timothy. And as a last plea of his life, Paul says to young Timothy, I want you to do thy diligence to come before winter. As Paul sits in this jail, he he has some needs in his life. As he approaches the last hours of his life, there's some things that he needs. And if you'll look a little bit earlier in this chapter, he mentions some of those things. And verse number 13, I could say this, he has some personal needs. Because there in verse number 13, he, he asked Timothy on his way over there, he said, stop by uh, Troas and, and stop by Carpus's house and pick up the coat, the cloak that I've left behind evidently when Paul was arrested and carried off to jail it happened all happened so fast Paul wasn't able to pick up some some necessities that he needed in life so he says Timothy I have some personal needs stop by Carpus's house grab that cloak it's cold over here sitting in this prison he had some personal needs He also had some intellectual needs because in verse 13 he said, I also want you to bring bring some books. Isn't it amazing at the close of his life, Paul is still wanting to read and to gain knowledge. And let me just say this, we never get too old to learn, do we? He had some intellectual needs. He had some personal needs. He had some spiritual needs. Look again at verse 13. He said, Timothy, but especially bring the parchments. You know what he's saying, Timothy, stop by over there and get my Bible. What we got of it, at least Paul would say. And Paul would say, whatever you do, bring the Bible. Well, aren't you glad in these days we got a Bible? Aren't you glad we got a copy of the Word of God? I mean, divinely inspired 66 books, 1170, 89 chapters, 31,000 plus verses, 788,000 plus words. Aren't you glad God gave us a Bible? And Paul said, in the days before death, Timothy, bring the book. Well, I'll tell you, if there's anything we need in these days, it ought to be for somebody to bring the book. Hey, I'll tell you, thank God for good singing. We have good singing for good music. We have good music. But in God's name, somebody stand up and bring the book. Amen. Had some, had some spiritual needs. But as we approach our text tonight, we come to understand that Paul had some social needs. Paul needed for young Timothy to come you know in some kind of a weird way we do need each other don't we I, I, I make the statement sometime and you maybe have made the statement like this before I I can get along without anybody my wife tells me all the time says you're a hermit she said if I ever die you'll never miss me but I will miss her anyway I sure will hope she never dies hope we we'll go up in the rapture but in a weird kind of way we need other people in our lives And as Paul sits in this jail, getting ready to die, he gives one final plea. Timothy, come unto me. He said it earlier in this chapter, in verse number 9, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. But now Paul, as he closes this letter, realizing that death is imminent, he says to young Timothy, do thy diligence to come before winter. Boy, he gives a sense of urgency now to this plea. You've got to get here before winter. Now, why did he say that? Why did he say to come before winter? Well, there's a particular reason that Paul makes this appeal to young Timothy. You see, if Timothy don't get there before winter, if he doesn't make his plans and make his journey before winter, he won't be able to come until the spring of the next year. You see, Timothy, uh, to get there from Ephesus over to where Paul is sitting in jail in Rome, he has to cross the Mediterranean Sea. And yet, because winter season was dangerous, dangerous for travel upon that sea because the storms would arise so suddenly and because of the crosswinds that blew, the shipping lanes were shut down during the winter season. And if Timothy was going to get there before Paul died, he is appealing to him, okay, you've got to get here before winter. Get here before the shipping lanes are closed. If you don't come now, you won't be able to come till uh, to spring and it might be too late. Do thy diligence to come before winter. If you want to picture what life was like on the Mediterranean scene in the winter time, all you got to do is read Acts chapter 27 because the Bible said that Paul was on his way to Rome with a bunch of other prisoners, 275 prisoners in a boat. When they got out on that ship Paul said, hey, it's dangerous to sail. Uh, the, uh, the winter season is upon us. We ought not venture out onto the sea. But the Bible said the captain of the ship believed the owner of the ship more than the words of the apostle Paul they set sail and for 14 days they were caught up in a storm by the name of Eurachlidon and they didn't see the sun the moon or the stars and buddy I'm telling you they almost lost their life and yet the reason they were out there on that ship and in that storm is because they wouldn't listen to the man of God and that storm almost cost them their life did cost them the boat and the cargo that's a picture of why you didn't sail in the winter season. So Paul says to Timothy, you've got to come before winter. What I want to do tonight is take those three words for three points. Come before winter. And I want to use those three words to form three points for the message tonight. But what I want to do, I want to back my way into it. For instance, I want to look at the word winter, and then I want to look at the word before and then I would like to look at the word come. So let's talk about that phrase tonight. Number one, look at verse number 21. Notice the word winter. Because the word winter speaks to us of the brevity of life. The brevity of life. The word winter reminds us of how brief that our lives are really are. Now, of course, we know everybody in here that's got any age upon them understands that winter is one of the four seasons of the year. We know that our year cycles or or, or makes its way through four different seasons. There's springtime. Springtime is that time of the year when the earth the earth begins to blossom and bring forth new life. The grass begins to grow and bring forth uh, uh, and turn green. The flowers begin to bloom and, and to blossom. The trees begin to bloom. Bud- and and there's new life in the air. There's the chirping of the birds and the fluttering of the butterflies. The spring showers that produce mayflowers. It's springtime and the earth is coming back to life again. Everything's fresh and everything's new. That's springtime. But then we know that springtime morphs its way into summer. The hazy lazy days of summer. Around here we know how hot it gets and the humidity makes it even seem hotter than it really is is. Around here, the humidity gets so high, you step outside just a few minutes, you're wringing wet with sweat. You mow your yard, maybe make a track or two around the yard. First thing you know, you got to stop and get an ice cold Mountain Dew or an ice cold Pepsi Pepsi, because it's so hot. The hot days come. It gets so hot that the cows start giving evaporated milk. It gets so hot, the farmers have to give their children uh, ice cubes to keep them from laying hard-bored eggs. It gets so hot that the dogs and the cats as they chase the cats, they both. Walk. it's summertime and boy does it get hot in the summertime springtime morphs to summertime summertime then changes into fall the days begin to get shorter the leaves start changing, and God pours out His paint upon the trees in brilliant reds and oranges and yellows. The tempeteers begin to fall, and you wake up in the morning, and there's a chill in the air. There are all the festivities that goes along with the fall season of the year. You know the the corn mazes and the and the and the fall festivals and and the apple bobbins and uh, and the homecomings that go along with the fall season of the year and the. Leaves begin to fall off the trees. And you have to rake and rake and rake your yard and clean your gutters. It's fall. Summertime has morphed into fall. And then we know this. Fall changes into winter. The winds begin to blow and the chill and the cold rains of fall now turn to be ice and the snow of winter. You have to get up early every morning, go out to the car, and scrape the ice off the windshield. Crank the car a little bit early, let it warm, warm up before you get in and head off to work. There's frost every morning, and things all around us begin to die. The grass is as brown as death. The flowers that blossomed and were so beautiful a short while ago have now shriveled and they're gone. The trees are barren, and the ground becomes frozen and lifeless. It's winter time, and winter time is a time of death. Now stop and think about what I've just said. Listen to me for just a moment. Have you ever stopped and think about this? How that the seasons of the year serve as a parable for the brevity of life. Guys, can I use can I use this I'll use this white one
2: since I got a white. Uh.
1: Tasting, tasting. All right. I want to use this mic. for just a minute. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about how that the seasons of the year speak to us about the brevity of life? Listen to me now. There's springtime when you're young and you're full of life. You fill mason jars with lightning bugs every night. You run and you run and you run. You ride your bikes You play from sun up till dawn, till dark, without a care in the world. There are no bills to pay. Most of your problems can be fixed by one trip to the candy store. I told my wife the other day, I said, honey, I sure do miss those days when we could take our kids to the candy store and one trip would fix all their problems. It's springtime. And life, goes so slow. Springtime. It's as slow as a snail. Springtime. But then springtime becomes summertime. You're now a young person. You can't wait to get those driver's license. You can't wait to finally go out on a date. You can't wait till you finally get to hang out with some of your friends. There's a certain feeling of independence that comes along with the summertime of your life. And then somehow or another, you meet that right person. And then comes that special day. And you walk down the aisle and you marry that special someone in your life. Then you get that job, good job, buy a house, new car, get long. Till a little baby is on its way. You're young. You're in love. Life's good. It's summertime. You got a long time to go. But then fall comes. Summertime morphs into fall. You get to notice and things are changing just a little bit in your body. You're tired a little faster than you used to. You find yourself a little bit uneasy when you're on a ladder. When you're cleaning out the gutters, your mind says you still can, but you're a little wobbly on those top steps of that ladder. There are things you used to do you wouldn't do now. You're not as strong as you used to be. You notice as you read your Bible, the words... Are a little bit blurred. When you try to read the paper or look on the computer, you can't see like you used to could. You don't hear as good as you used to hear. Fall has now come in your life. Someone said this, the 40s are the old age of youth. And the 50s are the youth of old age. There you are. Out of nowhere, spring has become summer. And summer has now become fall. And then before you turn around twice, the cold winds of winter begin to blow in your life. Things are changing fast now in your life. Life is now at a gallop. Things don't work at all like they used to. The icy cold hands of death are beginning to squeeze the life out of you. It won't be long until you're completely gone. Someone once asked an elderly man what his biggest surprise was about life. And he said, how short it is. Someone once said that life could be summed up in seven words. The seven words spills. Drills, thrills, bills, eels, peels, and wheels. There you are in the wintertime of life. And then one day, it happens. And you're gone. Wintertime has come in your life. Someone once said it like this, the tireless 30s, the fiery 40s, the forceful 50s, the soaring 60s, the sagging 70s, the aching 80s, the nagging 90s, and there's nothing left but dead, death, sod, and God. You know what the Bible said about life? Life is like a vapor here for a little time and vanisheth away. Straight line and you're done. Come before winter. Winter speaks to us about the brevity of life. But then as we back up into this phrase, we run into the word before. Before. And the word before speaks to us about the opportunities of life. You see, the truth of the matter is we all know that wintertime is coming. Can I have an amen? Have you not noticed? I know up where I live on the mountain, the trees, the leaves are already changing. I, I can't believe when I head out every morning how many leaves are now laying right in the middle of the parkway every morning. I'm telling you, winter time's on its way. Did you know they said the high up there, I don't know what's going to be down here. On Sunday of this coming week, it's going to be 53 degrees. Wait a minute. What happened to the 80s? Seemed like just the other day it was 80 degrees and, and the snake bugs was crawling everywhere. Now there's 53 and chance of frost on on, on a Sunday night. Where'd that come from? Well, it happens fast, don't it? One season gives way to the next season. Won't be long till we'll get up and see the smoke rising out of the chimneys just as sure as, as we see the barrenness of the limbs on the trees and the leaves are beginning to turn loose. And it won't be long till we see a, a blanket of frost laying on the ground every morning, we are reminded winter time is on its way. And I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, there's not a person in this room. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. But guess what? Death is on its way. But the word before reminds us there are some things we need to do before winter. We need to avail ourselves of the opportunity to before winter. There's some things maybe you need to do before winter. I'm talking about physically. Maybe you need to clean your gutters out. Hey, maybe you need to cut some limbs or have some limbs trimmed away from some power lines so when the ice comes it won't break and you won't lose power. Maybe there's some things. Maybe you need to get some wood in. Maybe cut some wood and get ready for fall uh, for the, uh, the stove or whatever it is. There are things that we have to do to prepare before winter physically. Oh, but friend, I'm here to tell you there are some things we need to do to prepare Prepare before death comes in our lives. That word before reminds us of the opportunities of life. We need to take advantage of the opportunities while we have some time. There are probably uh, maybe some sitting here tonight and you've had some opportunities, opportunities in your life. Now you're older and you look back on those missed opportunities and they are nothing more than a bunch of tombstones in the graveyard of what might have been. And, and you look back over life and you see what you, uh, the opportunities that you missed. But ladies and gentlemen there are some opportunities we can cannot afford to miss there are some opportunities we cannot afford to let by because I'm here to tell you when you die it's too late to go back and do some things I'm talking about tonight some opportunities before winter could I take a moment just briefly and walk around in your heart just a little bit I think that's true number one concerning family but we better take some opportunities to love our families before death comes. You ever notice how we take so much for granted? Us men take our wives for granted and uh, maybe some of you wives take your husbands for granted. You ever notice how much much time we spend arguing over all the stuff that don't matter? And we spend time frustrated at each other and and we spend a lot of time annoyed at each other and yet one of these days we're just being reminded that one of these days death's going to come and and you'll want to pull her close to you, but it'll be too late to pull her close to you then. You'll want to spend some time talking to her, but it'll be too late to spend time talking with her then. You want to tell her how much you love you, how much you love her, and what a good wife she is, and what a good woman that she's been, and a good mother that she's been. But it's too late when winter time comes, when the ice cold winds of winter begin to blow. It's too late to share our love with our spouses. That's why we ought to spend a lot of time instead of arguing and being stressed out of our mind about all the stuff that don't matter. We ought to spend some time telling our spouses how much we love them because I'm here to tell you it's going to be too late someday when your precious wife or your husband is laying a corpse in a church and you want to reach down and give them a kiss and stroke their brow but it's ice cold and there's no life left and there's no love there and it's too late. I'm telling you, we ought to spend some time loving on each other before the winter comes that's true of our families that's true of our children how much time do we spend arguing with our children that we really don't need to spend arguing with our children hey and when's the last time that you told your kids not what's wrong but what's right mom and dad when's the last time that uh, they brought home a C and you jumped on them because it wasn't a B hey when's the last time maybe you just said to them thank you for a C it could have been a D Hey, when's the last time you told your kids, you know, I know you're not perfect and you do say some things once in a while back to us that you ought not say, but I just want to thank you that I've never had to go to jail and bail you out of jail. I just want to thank you, uh, daughter, sweet daughter, that you hadn't already given me some grandchildren before you got married. I just want to tell you, son, thank you for not turning out and announcing to us that you're a homosexual. Hey, honey, thank you for telling, not telling me that you're a Hey, I, tell, I know things are bad. I know there's struggles. Hey, but once in a while, we ought to thank God not for what, what we have. We ought to thank God for what we don't have. Can I have it? amen? When's the last time you pulled them babies up close? and just said thank you I know you're not perfect but you have never broke the heart of your mother thank you hey when's the last time you kids went to your mom and dad can I tell you something about moms and dads they're not perfect because I am one I've made a lot of mistakes I wish I could turn back the hands of time a little bit and go back to a few places in my life there would be some things that I would do a little bit different but you ever thought about the stages that parents go through with their children, or or children go through with their parents, the first thing they do is they idolize their parents. Ever thought about that? Every little boy wants to grow up and marry his mama. And every little girl wants to grow up and marry their daddy. I mean, they're their idols. Every little boy wants to be like her daddy. Oh, daddy can whoop everybody. Hey, daddy's the best baseball player's ever been. Daddy's the best football. Mama's the most beautiful woman. She's the best cook. She's better than Betty Crocker. I'm telling you, mama is it. And they idolize us. And then after they idolize us, guess what? They start utilizing us. We're the ride to the friend's house. We're the ride to the football game on Friday night. We're, uh, uh, we're, the, we're the source of the money to spend at, at the mall. We're, we're the money that, uh, uh, that, 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 that we, the, the, the bank, the first bank of uh, money to give them to go out and eat with their friends. To stop and get something after church. I mean they idolize us, then they utilize us, and then guess what? They hit those teen years and they demonize us. Everything that's wrong in their life is our fault. I don't care what it is. Flat tire, that is your fault. Break up with the girlfriend, it's your fault. And they demonize us. They idolize us, they utilize us, they demonize us, and thank God for it's finally over. They humanize us. They realize we're not perfect. They realize that that we don't do everything exactly right. We don't dot every I, cross every T exactly like we ought to. But I tell you what, there come a point in my life when I realize my daddy may not have been the smartest man. My daddy may not have been uh, the, the strongest man. But there come a time in my life I thought to myself, my daddy's the best man. I'd give anything tonight if I could talk to my daddy again. It's too late, death come. Death comes too late. That's over. Mama's gold. I'd go out there every once in a while. Me and my wife does place some flowers on the tombstone. Now to step back and there's their names on either side of the tombstone. Now to stand there and think about the good times. Well, I think about the uh, the, the Christmas mornings. I, I think about the meals. I, I think about. Uh, can I just stop and say they weren't perfect. But I tell you what, they sure was a good mom and daddy. Let me ask you something, When's the last time you went to your mom and daddy and said, "You may not be perfect. You may do some things I don't understand." But I just want to thank you that I got a bed to lay down in. I just want to thank you that I can go to the cupboard to get a bag of Doritos out. I just want to thank you that I got heat when it's cold. I just want to thank you that I got some cool when it's hot. I just want to thank you for being a good. I've never seen you hit my mama. I've never seen you cuss mama. Mama's never mistreated me. I just want to thank you for being the parents that you've been. When's the last time? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Death. Death's on its way. We better do some things before it comes. I have a preacher friend of mine. I'm not going to call his name because you might know him. But he told me this story and gave me permission to tell the story. So I'm going to tell you this story. He's a preacher friend. And I love him dearly. He's a good man. He told me this. He said, when he hit the teenage years, he had a good mom and daddy. But when he hit those turbulent teen years, he said, uh, man, things got out of control in his life. He said, he started running with the wrong crowd. He had a souped up car, like a Nova or something like that. He souped it up, man. He started running with the wrong crowd. He said, when he would come in, his daddy and mama, and beg him to do right. Begging he quit church, wouldn't go rebelled against their authority. And uh, man, just totally, just, just totally become disconnected from them. He said one night he'd come in and that car was loud. He pulled in, revved it up, said it was in the wee hours of the morning. He revved it up, then he cut it off. He said he'd been out drinking with some of his friends. And he said he walked in the door. And he said when he walked in the door, his daddy met him and said, Son, you're breaking your mama's heart. Son, why don't you get right? Stop this stuff. Uh, stop doing what you're doing. Look, this ain't at all what God has planned for your life. Why don't you straighten up? Why don't you, why don't you get back in church? Why don't you do what's right? And my preacher friend said he looked at his daddy and said, Daddy, why don't you leave me, ag- uh, leave me alone? Why don't you just go to hell? He told his daddy that. Said he went in the bedroom, slammed the door, lay down in the bed. He said about 3 o'clock that morning, he heard something blaring. He said, he, first of all, he thought it was a, it was a dream, but he said as, he, as it became louder, he realized it was the blaring of, an, of a siren of an, of an ambulance. And he said he got up, the light was shining under the door. He said he walked in, opened the door, and he said he looked in the living room, and there were men in there in the living room doing this to his daddy and pumping, trying to pump stuff in there, doing that for his daddy. And and they finally, they they did all they could do, and they got through, and they said to his mom, said, ma'am, we're sorry. It's too late. He's gone. And he said the last words that he ever said to his daddy, why don't you go to hell, old man? And my preacher friend told me, he said, I can't tell you how many times that I've been out to the graveyard and just fell across this grave. He said, Oh, Daddy, oh, Daddy, I'm sorry. Oh, Daddy, please forgive me. But he said, Not one time has that tombstone ever spoke back to him. It's too late when death comes, it's too late. I'm telling you, man, we ought to, instead of fussing and fighting, I'll tell you, somebody said we spend the first half of our life uh, fighting with our parents and the second half of our life fighting with our kids. Why don't we just get along? Hey, why don't we just love each other? Hey, why don't we, instead of arguing over all that picky, picky stuff, hey, why don't we spend, I'm telling you, when death comes and you've had a good marriage and a good relationship with your mom and dad, you don't have to walk by and look down at their cold face with a lot of regrets in your life over how you've treated them. Boy, it's true when it comes to our family. I have a preacher friend over in Tennessee, and he, said, he told me this story. He said that he had, some, uh, he had a, a couple of people from his church that was in a rest home. Listen to this. I'm, I'm wrapping this up in a minute. He said he had a couple of people in his rest home. And was the rest home and he said uh, I would go visit them occasionally in the rest home and he said I got to notice and every time I went to see those shut-ins in the rest home there was a lady sitting always sitting there in the front lobby and when the doors would slide open she would say Jimmy, Jimmy Jimmy and he said he would just maybe speak to her and walk on by he said this happened every time she was always sitting there and every time the doors would slide open, Jimmy Jimmy so he said he became curious about that so he just one day stopped the nurse and he said ma'am I can't help but notice there's a lady always sitting in front and he told the story whatever uh, and, and the lady said oh oh sir what that is is her son is named Jimmy and she's expecting him to come visit oh he said uh, Jimmy must live a long way uh, from here she said no not really she said he lives about 15 minutes from here but he never comes sees his mama and every time those doors slide open, he says, She says, Jimmy, Jimmy. Well, when the preacher heard that story, he kind of made an acquaintance out of this little lady and became her friend. And when she died, he was asked to do her funeral. And he said, I never will forget, I stand in the pulpit that day. When they come in the back doors with that coffin pushing it down the aisle. He said, I ask everybody in the building to stand. And he said, when they come in pushing the coffin, he said that her son Jimmy was behind the coffin and said, Mama, Mama. But it's too late. When death comes. When the, when the winter winds begin to blow. Ain't, ain't no making it right then. It's over. Boy, there's some things we ought to do before winter comes. Amen. What about this? There's probably some people here. I don't know anybody in here, whether you are faithful or not faithful. I mean, I can imagine most of you are. Hopefully, all of you are. But you know, there's a lot of people that sit in churches and they say something like this. You know, one of these days, preacher preaches a lot on faithfulness. One of these days, I, I, I'm going to get faithful. But right now, I'm just so busy. You know, we got the ball, ball, fall, fall ball, whatever, how the they call that. We got that going on. And, and they're involved in football and cheerleading and, and school activities. And, and I'm busy. I'm trying to make a living. We got a yard to mow, things going on. But one of these days, I'm going to be faithful to God. And yet, death comes your way. And there's nothing left in your life. What about this? There's nothing left in your life but the God who loved you enough to give His own Son for you. And you didn't love Him back. And it's too late. Can I tell you something? It's too late. witness to that family member after death has come you know that uncle you've been planning on witnessing to I mean that old boisterous uncle of yours cusses and tells him old jokes every time you get around him you think to yourself you know one of these days one of these days I'm gonna go over to his house sit down tell him about Jesus maybe it's an aunt maybe it's a mama or daddy brother sister somebody you work with, some of your friends, maybe a guy that lives up the street, and and you you think to yourself, you know, one of these days, I'm going to get it. I'm going to go by there, and I'm going to tell them. And yet, too late when the winter winds have blown. There's some things we need to do before winter comes. Winter speaks of the brevity of life. Be here before you know it. Latest statistics out on the subject of death is one out of every one are dying. Can I tell you something? I love you all, but can I tell you something? Your hearts only have so many beats. Your lungs only have so many breaths. Your feet only have so many steps. And listen, none of us in here are guaranteed to live to see tomorrow. Death's coming. There's some things we need to do before Death come before winter. But now look at that word come and I'm done. The Bible said to come before winter. Winter speaks about the brevity of life. The word word, uh, uh, before speaks about the opportunities of life. But the word come speaks about the necessities of life. You know what you ought to do before winter comes? You better be sure that you're right with God. You better be sure that you're saved. Can I tell you something? Uh, I have had 17 funerals this year so far. I've had, I will have 12 funerals. funerals. 17 17 funerals, 12 weddings uh, before the year. 17 funerals, I've got 12 weddings. I've got three to go to have 12 weddings this year. You know, truth of the matter is, we're very busy. There's a lot going on in life. We all are. But can I tell you something? We better slow down and get some things done before winter comes. You know, there's maybe if you're sitting here tonight, you've never been saved. Can I tell you this? Winter's coming. Winter's coming. You say, oh, I know it is, preacher. Just a few days from now, it's just turned fall, but just a few days. From now. No, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about death's on your trail. You know, when I was young, I used to look back at death, and death was way back behind me, way off behind me. But I tell you what, now when I'm journeying a long life and I look back, It's a lot closer than I want it to be. And one of these days it's going to be so close it's going to reach out its icy hands. Could be before I get home tonight. But I want to be sure that I leave this world right. I want to be right with my fellow man as right as I can. This is going to surprise you, but don't everybody like me? I know. I don't understand it either. Sip a nitroglycerin pill under your tongue right now. It's amazing. Don't let your blood pressure spike too high. But I've come to realize at the age of 60, there's some people I can't help. I just got to let it go. But to the best of my ability, when I leave this world and my children come around and look down at the dead face of their daddy, if the Lord hadn't come, I won't leave them a lot, but I want to leave behind the memory that our daddy loved God, our daddy loved church, our daddy loved his mama, our daddy loved us, and our daddy loved our children, and most of all, our daddy loved Jesus. That's all that's going to matter. Come before winter. It's on your trail. It's going to get us. Somebody said, Preacher, wonder what happened. Did he make it? Did he get there before winter? Well, I like to think that he did. I'd like to think that when Timothy got this letter, he dropped everything, went down to the harbor, purchased a ticket on a ship, got across the Mediterranean, and right before old Paul died, he walked in, and they had a snot-wiping, tear-running, bare-neck-hugging time before old Paul. Wouldn't that be a blessing to think like that? But what if it happened like this? Timothy got that letter and said, come before women. He said, i got to do it, but... I got two revivals going on here around Ephesus and I got to go by Crete and ordain some elders with old Titus and, and I got some letters I got to write myself and I got some, I'll, I'll get there, I'll get there. And Finally he gets down to the docks. i like a ticket across the Mediterranean to Rome. And they said, Timothy, it's too late. All the, all the lanes have been shut. You'll have to wait till spring. All through through the winter, old Timothy paces back and forward thinking about old Paul and the good times and the friendship and the fellowship and the prayer meetings and the preaching. And finally, springtime comes, and he runs down to the harbor and gets a ticket for a ship, leaving to sail across the Mediterranean, jumps on the ship, gets over in Rome, goes to the prison, and gets at the door and says, Paul, Paul, Paul. Somebody says, Timothy, is that you? He said, yeah, where's Paul? Said Timothy, Paul's gone. Right before he died, he told us to tell you, he sure did love you. Told us to tell you. And he was his best friend. Told us to tell you. Sure thought a lot of you. But it's too late after winter comes. What do you need to do tonight? Is there somebody in this church you out of sorts with? You say, "Oh, preacher, I'm gonna get it right." When they come down the aisle, I know I always turn up the other aisle. I'll get it right. What if death comes? You say, "Being a wife, man, we're having a hard time right now." I get it. We all do. We're all just a bunch of sinners. But can I tell you something? Truth of the matter is, you don't know if you're gonna get home tonight. Some of you kids been giving your mom and your daddy a fit. Oh, I mean, it's just. Back talk this, back talk that. What if you have to bury your daddy three days from now? What if you have to say goodbye to your precious mama? Hey, what if a heart attack comes? Hey, what are you going to do then? Too late after winter comes. And what about you precious parents? Maybe you need to make some things right with your kids. It ain't always one way. Maybe you need to get right with your preacher tonight. I don't know, but it'll be too late. When winter comes, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, would you help us tonight? I don't know why you put that message on my heart. I have no idea, but I know that you did. And I pray that you'll take what I didn't say and fill in the blanks. And I'll pray you take what I did say and touch our hearts. And God, just help us tonight. Death is on our trail. And it'll be too late to make things right. It'll be too late to give that witness. It'll be too late to become faithful. It'll be too late to apologize. It'll be too late to get forgiveness. It'll be too late to give forgiveness. Come before winter. Help us tonight.
2: Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hiddings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus of Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the Fellowship Hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement, they seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, and verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans ten nine said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10:13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8:1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.